Welcome to the Back in Business podcast. I'm business journalist, broadcaster and podcaster, Nikki Clark. And I'm small business journalist, Liz Barkley. We'll be talking to two business owners about going back into tears and to the British Chambers of Commerce about the picture emerging across the UK and across the various sectors. Who's coping and who's closing? The Chancellor's comprehensive spending review was the highlight of the past week. <laughs> I use the word highlight loosely. Um, we got details of our fate after lockdown finishes on, in England on Wednesday the 2nd. That's next Wednesday, isn't it? And what we can look forward to between now and Christmas around the UK, if anything oh, at all. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, and you mentioned the uh, comprehensive spending review. It was only for one year, though, for 2021 to 22. Yeah, normally um, it would be that for three years. But yeah, it you know, would. if you haven't Absolutely. got any money, you can't forecast, can you? No, I suppose that's true. But the Chancellor did his uh, his best to tell us the bad news first. <laughs> um, and I think we're in the poo. Uh, well, that's one way of putting it. Yeah, I'd put it more bluntly than that. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was it was a good listen. You'd play that back on a podcast, couldn't you? Before you went to sleep of a night, it'd get you off to a slumbering start. I mean, it, it wasn't good news, but we knew that. You can't switch an economy off like a light switch and just expect it to bounce back. And at the end of the day, these are all going to be forecasts, which if you look back in a year's time, probably going to be all wildly wider the mark anyway. But, you know, better to be alive than worry about the economy, isn't it? Well, um, I suppose that is absolutely true. But I, I, I think my problem is that the light switch isn't just been switched off. It's been switched on again and off again and on again and off again. And it Well, just... that's the drawback. Yeah, I mean, that, we praise the government. It's a difficult job they're doing. But I've got to say, there hasn't been a lot of clarity if you're trying to run a business. And Rishi Sunak hasn't been the most decisive person in the world with his furlough scheme. Not a furlough scheme. Then introduce another one. Then go back to the furlough scheme. You know, come on, we're running a commercial empire here. You need, you need a bit of clarity and we just not had it. I think the part of the problem is that most of the people making the decisions haven't run a commercial empire. Um, was there any good news for businesses in particular? Simon and Declan have been studying the detail. Simon McVicker, our Director of Public Affairs and Policy and Communications. And Declan Curry, our business editor. You've poured over the devil in the detail. Have you anything good to tell us or should we just say goodbye to you now? Well, there's a little snippet. I'm struck by the way it just how elegance just oozes out of this podcast, out of out of every orifice that it has. We learned uh, it all a... together at the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a tiny snippet of good news for a thousand entrepreneurs. There are a thousand loans to people looking to start up their business, paying out 56 million pounds. I don't know how far that will go or what difference it'll make, but it was in there. Um, Simon, I don't know about you, but the impression I got was... Short term, this all looks really miserable. We've got the lockdown, we've got the regional restrictions, we're heading towards a, a Christmas like no other, and we've got Brexit in the new year. And the supermarkets in Northern Ireland may not be able to uh, stock British mints or British sausages uh, because of that. Medium term, it's much more optimistic. The vaccine's coming. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. We can see the end to this. But then... In the Chancellor's statement, the long term looks absolutely grim. Recovery not complete until the end of 2022. The economy is going to be smaller still in 2025, as will pay packets. There's going to be an enormous debt that's going to take the best part of a generation to pay off. And in the meantime, jobs are going to be lost. Lots of skills are going to be lost. The economy is going to become much more 
uh, unproductive. And there was no real strategy I could see of in there on how to build that back up again. How do you, where was the growth? Where were the initiatives to get people to create jobs, to invest in skills, to develop skills? Yes, I didn't see anything about where the new jobs are coming from. Uh, I think it, it, the, the, the figures, the economic figures uh, were dire, but they, they could be even worse if certain things happen, such as we have a no-deal Brexit. I mean, we're looking at not getting back to where we were until fourth quarter 2024 under that scenario. And uh, you talk about the vaccine giving some optimism, well, yes, but I mean, you know, they have to rule this vaccine out and they've got to make sure that everybody gets inoculated. They have to make sure it actually works. And, um, you know, there's some doubt around all of that, especially the time scales they're talking about. So, uh, you know, I don't think the medium term does look that bright, to be honest. And certainly up until Easter, it's very grim. I mean, these these new lockdowns, are they, what are the tears that we're going into after lockdown ends next week are, are devastating for so many small businesses in key industries like hospitality, entertainment, etc. I, I, I mean, some of them are just not going to survive. There's this. a lot of a Ferrari, though, is there not around about all these tears? Uh, there's mayors all over the place saying, why is my area yeah. going back into the same yeah. tier I came out of or a higher tier? Well, politically, there's a real riot happening now because a lot of people are saying their areas are going back into tiers that they were in before the lockdown or maybe even higher tiers. But there are rates actually coming down in those areas. And uh, the, there hasn't been much of an explanation from the experts on this. And we are now seeing today about 70 Tory MPs. That group again, the COVID recovery group, 70 odd of them are say they're going to vote against the government next week unless the government comes up with some more evidence. Now, that doesn't mean to say the government's going to lose this. That puts the ball very much in the Labour Party's court. And Labour have up until now been pretty much on side with the experts. But we are hearing rumblings from Andy Burnham and other of the mayors saying, well, hang on a minute. I don't want to go back into the same tier that I was before lockdown. We've made progress. So whether he has an influence on the Labour Party, I don't know. Also, to defeat the government, you'd have to have the SNP on side. And what's their attitude going to be? They're a pretty hard line-up in Scotland. That we don't know yet. Meanwhile, Northern Ireland has gone back into lockdown yes. just a week after coming out of it. Indeed, that's right. One of my friends decided to take the opportunity to go home and see her mother this week, just as Northern Ireland went back into lockdown. <laughs> Liz, will we be having a Zoom Christmas party with these two? Because uh, I can't say I'm looking forward well, to it. Well, Mickey, the good news is under Stadler tier two, and Waldo. under tier two, which London's in, we can have business lunches for up to thirty people. Yeah, uh, I, know, I know. I've been invited to one of them. I won't so, be going. So I think back in business could easily have a business lunch for up to. 30. We're we're having a debate as to whether it's going to be uh, McDonald's Subway or or whether we're getting a pizza delivery. <laughs> or Liz's kitchen, <laughs> or, my, or my or my kitchen. Um, uh, oh, Declan, there must be I, some burger van in some Kent driveway. <laughs> no, De- Declan said it might be difficult to get uh, to get sausages from the rest of the UK and Northern Ireland. I want to know what's wrong with the good old Cookstown sausage, Declan. Or oh, the Doherty's exactly. Mints, on which half the province yeah. uh, owes their survival to in the yeah. lean years. Exactly. You mentioned Christmas there, Simon. Um, 
one city that's almost been in perpetual lockdown is Leicester, and our chief mm. reporter, Jyoti Rambai, comes from Leicester. I know you're not there, uh, Jyoti, but uh, you've been gathering a few comments from businesses around about the tears. I think it's safe to say um, it's not just the turkeys who are getting stuffed. <laughs> that's exactly what one person <laughs> said to me. Like, and it kind of doesn't matter for some businesses whether they are in two, tier two or tier three. It's going to make great for them. Um, so Leicester's one of them, and along with places like Greater Manchester, who have been who have been in tier three the lot. Businesses are really um, worried about their survival and whether or not they'll kind of make it to the new year for some, and or whether they'll be there this time next year. Um, and a lot of them are asking for the evidence to back up um, why they've been put back back in that tier. They also want more targeted support because while the schemes right now um, give you some support, they're not enough to cover your rent, your bills and all the other costs associated with running a business. And we also know that many of them have taken on debt just to try and keep their businesses going. So that's kind of another issue they're facing. There's going um, to be a perfect storm of debt, I think, uh, come the new year when we start seeing the loans. There is now. Paid back. There Paul Brown personal. And that's kind of a problem. We're also going to see a lot of businesses not just go under, but we're going to see a continued trend of decline in the self-employed sector, I think. So I spoke to um, one person. He's a um, personal... He provides a personal chef service and he's based in Oxfordshire and he said that all his work has gone so he had no work in November because of the lockdown. Um, even though Oxfordshire is in tier two, he, um, that's all his business gone for December and he had 12 dinners booked um, because of the restrictions imposed by that tier. So he spent the last day calling up his clients, giving them refunds and he doesn't know what will happen now? He goes, the rules might be relaxed for Christmas, but that's not enough to save his business. Because even, people... even with even with tier two, if you have a restaurant or a pub, your, your, your income is reduced by 40% because that's the reduction in the number of tables that you're allowed to bring in. And your costs are still going up because you have to take on more staff to handle the people you are taking in. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you, they must be bashing their heads against the, all these business folk. And if you think about it, this is the busiest time for many pubs, restaurants yeah. and people in the hospitality industry. Like if you go to a pub this time, it's crammed with people like and most people are just buying drinks. Now, if you're in tier two, you have to have a substantial meal to, in order to get an alcoholic beverage, if you like. So that's also going to reduce their income because people aren't going to really go out because most people want to go for a drink. Don't they? It's a what is the situation in Leicester? Your um, family are there. Um, how's everybody, how are they feeling after all these months? I think people are fed up. Um, they've been in and out of restrictions. Businesses don't know if they can survive, what's going to happen. Like A lot of places have spent quite a bit of money on making their premises COVID secure. And then to be told, oh, wait, you can't open now, you have to have, um, or you can only have a limited number of pupils or limited opening hours. It's, 
quite devastating to see businesses just struggling to get any form of income just to try and recuperate some of those costs, let alone pay any all the other costs that are associated with, again, running a business. And what's flummoxing some of them as well is that in England, the new tiers are tougher than the old tiers were. So new tier two is almost roughly equivalent to what old tier three was. So the and rules tier have been ratcheted up. Tier three is a lot by any And that seemed to be the, the biggest bone of contention I saw on, on the television news the other night was the fact that there were businesses. There was one lady on there who runs a fashion shop and she said, I've got to close. But Marks and Spencer down the road can open up and still sell its fashions. She I said, you know, that, that's unfair. Mm. Yeah, but then about... when the supermarkets were told they had to cordon off aisles that, of stuff that they couldn't sell, then there was an outcry over that as well. That's, yeah. that's one where you're damned if you are and damned if you don't. And I think this is going to hit independent retails and independent stores the most mm. because they're the ones that probably will rely on the footfall of um, people passing through the high street and that, whereas you might, the bigger stores might not get that because they can maybe make up the sales through online. Well, as if we as if we intended it you have yeah. just introduced the fact that we have got an independent store owner with us <laughs> helen sterling baker uh owns uh i think a children's shop but you do do toys yes, uh in right. sheffield and also we have got uh, a pub landlady lee lockwood who runs the wentworth arms in maplewell I think I'm right in saying, and a second pub as well. Um, Helen, one of the points that you made to me when we talked this week was that uh, you run small stuff, uh, you've gone online, but you still depend on a lot of footfall. The pubs would drive a lot of footfall because they would be open normally on your high street and people wandering past would drop in and that's gone. So yeah. together... You and Lee, um, you know, are seeing, well, a decimation of the high street to a certain extent. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, in yeah, we're, I'm in South Yorkshire, I'm in Sheffield, the tier three um, pubs and restaurants are now not allowed to open. So, yes, I can open up again on Wednesday. Um, but even just talking to customers in the street, like, we mentioned before about um the supermarkets and places being able to already sell um non-essential goods so toys and things against the rest of their products uh during the lockdown um yeah a lot of the customers have either done their shopping they get, they're so sick and tired or fed up of these different restrictions and the the lack of clarity around it the fact now pubs and restaurants aren't going to be open what's the point of them coming to the high street they especially Christmas it's it's about the Christmas tree when you don't when you go to a high street at Christmas it's about getting you know having a drink in a pub doing Christmas shopping getting all those festive things going people are fed up they're going to do it online which is brilliant I mean we we have an online presence but I can't keep up with you know I can't fight against the big boys with stuff like that so yeah it's a bit of grim really for the next few weeks what about you Lee are you saying grim as well uh, definitely yeah for us um for us it's been, it has been a roller coaster um from the beginning and i you know we we went into it fully supportive of the national lockdown um you know we kept really positive we tried to keep our staff really positive um and every time uh 
you come you start to come around again it's just another kick and um you know I always try to uh, keep my chin up and look for the positives and look forward to the you know the next two weeks or whatever it's going to be but you know our staff are losing morale um we don't know what to tell them we have several versions of a staff rota when you're going to work when you're not going to work um I mean, thankfully, we're, we're in a village setting, both of our pubs, and um, we actually have a third pub, um, but that, that's wet only, so that's been closed for some time. Um, they're in a village setting, we have a lot of support from the community, and the times when we have been able to open, um, you know, we've been really well supported by our community, but it's hard, it's hard for us, it's hard for our staff, and it's hard to keep people motivated. Um, you know, and and and. An, Another thing is with our staff, they can go and get a job at Aldi or in a warehouse or somewhere else where they're guaranteed their hours, they're guaranteed their pay. And so the brilliant staff we have, it's getting ever more, more difficult to keep them engaged. Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult in a, in a lot of ways. And then you have to start retraining people when you do reopen. Yeah. And I mean, we've had to, we've had to personally guarantee income of some people when we've recruited them because they don't have the confidence to leave a job where they could potentially be furloughed um, so I've had to write into our offers of work for new um, for new employees that we will personally continue to pay them if they don't qualify for a furlough scheme and, and the spontaneity has gone out of your game hasn't it I mean the idea of walking past the pub think I'll pop in for a pint you can't do that anymore no and that's going to put a lot of set the hardened drinkers that's going to put a lot of people off. Oh, I've got a book a table to go and sit down, have a couple of pints and go home. Yeah. And you, you can see the disappointment on the landlord's face when you say, so are you eating? No, no, just having a drink. You know, It's not worth it for him to be there. But it's also, as part of a village pub and part of the community, there are some people who that's their only social outlet. They might live on their own and they come in two or three times a week. They get on with the staff, they see other locals, other regulars. And it's heartbreaking to know that they can't come out now and that they are isolated and that that outlet for them in the community is, is, is essentially gone because we have to operate as a restaurant. We do talk quite a lot about pubs on, on this podcast. I do realise that. But, uh, they, well, been badly but they affected. are very badly affected and at the heart of an awful lot of communities. But the other thing that I, uh, that they're all going to laugh now because I'm going to say, what about the supply chains? <laughs> what about the suppliers? You know, because uh, in both your cases, uh, both Lee and Helen, obviously, if you don't know what you're going to sell, how do you know how much to buy of anything? Yeah, um, and that's that's another difficult thing. We've tried to maintain, you know, really good relationships with our suppliers by, um, you know, paying our bills and and not getting into any arrears with our with our suppliers. And but um, you know, it is difficult. And when we think there's another announcement pending, we just we hold off purchasing. Um, and it's it's not just you know, the food and drink, it's equipment, it's new uniforms, it's it's all of these things that we're putting off and putting off and putting off. So yeah, there's a, a major impact on other industries that aren't recognised as part of the hospitality industry directly. They're, it's sort of an indirect link. Helen, are you in a position where you can just buy in store if you don't sell? No. <laughs> I So my shop is 
it's a small independent shop. I don't have a huge amount of space available, so I wouldn't be able to purchase the what ifs if it does get busy. Um, a lot of my suppliers have had their cutoff points. So we start to plan in retail in quarter one for Christmas. We should have put our pre-orders in then. So it's difficult for us. And yeah, the supply chain are now being hammered as well. But on the other side, because we've suddenly been told, okay, right, shops can open on the 2nd of December, go. So that's now every independent shop in England trying to get their Christmas stock in time. Um, so yeah, every part of it is affected and every part of it is confusing. There's no clarity. It, yeah, it's just a bit of a struggle. We don't know if I, if I got lots and lots of stock, what would I do with it in January, February when I know- Well, that's the big thing, problem. isn't it? You get a three week run up at Christmas, big deal. Yeah. But if you're full of stock that you've ordered in the first quarter of the year and you've still got it on the shelves come second week in January, you're knackered, basically. Yeah. I mean, we rely on uh, November and December to pull us through January, February, March. I don't know what January is going to look like. It's a quiet month anyway. Um, but even more so that, you know, the confidence from shoppers coming to their high street, especially if things are going to be closed, they're not going to want to do that. So I don't want to be sat with hundreds, if not thousands of pounds worth of stock that I can't get rid of and I can't sell. Um, and then that puts pressure on us because we have to pay for it at some point. I, I don't do sale or return. I buy my products in. Um, so that's a huge loss. Or do I bite the bullet and think, okay, that's three weeks. Are we going to be busy? We'll try and get as many people in as we can, even though we can only have two lots of. Now, are you discounting that stock already? Oh well, I, I guess the lucky part of it is that the stock that I sell isn't seasonal, so I don't have Christmas season stock. I have toys that are available all year round. My problem is that I have still had to pay a full price on that on those pieces of stock so yes I can get rid of them at half price but that does then does that devalue the rest of my items that I have in in place the ethos of my business is is a difficult one with that in mind because I buy things out in because they have value because they are ethically made or they're beautiful products and some of the bigger bigger competitors of mine are still selling those for full price so if I start going in and selling them 50% off it's just going to look like I'm trying to get rid of products and um, it's a real balance between the ethos of the business not cutting my nose off to spite my face but also um, yeah balancing what I know that my customers want from me as well. And this is that clash between the government making short-term decisions, deciding what to do from one week to the next, coming up against business decisions, which are made months in advance. The stuff we buy at Christmas is on container ships coming from China sometime around the middle of summer. These decisions were made a long time ago. And what then do you do in a business like a pub where some of the stock can't be kept because it'd go off how much beer is going to have to be poured down the drain because pubs that thought they might be allowed to open to let people drink in the run-up to Christmas now find they can sell it unless they're ordering Cordon Bleu along with it. Yeah, we, we've had an awful lot of waste at the uh, beginning of both lockdowns. Um, the first lockdown, we were able to 
um, return quite a lot of our beer and, and well, we did throw it away, but um, we were we were reimbursed for that um, through the major breweries, Heineken and Molten Coors. Um, the small independent breweries we buy Cascale from and Craft Ale aren't able to um, return or refund that stock. So, so that was thrown away at our cost. Um, insurance hasn't covered any of the um, food I mean, last was just before Mother's Day, two days before Mother's Day. And again, we were sort of tossing the coin saying, are we going to be open? Aren't we going to be open? Let's get ready for it. We have all these bookings, um, you know, so we were full, absolutely full of stock ready for Mother's Day. And we were closed that day, same day. So that's gone. And, and then the second one, you know, we've slimlined up, we've had to slim down our menu. So we're not offering as many products. So we are limiting the amount of things we're buying in. But still at the beginning of this lockdown, there was still that waste, um, you know, we sent staff home with a lot of food that could be used and um, and, and that's it. So it, it just gets written off at our, at our cost. Can I just ask, so now that businesses, especially pubs, are maybe buying less product, has that increased the cost? Because sometimes buying in bulk often works out cheaper. Mm. So is that an added cost to you? We haven't seen a, a big increase in cost yet from our suppliers, but I, I would think that that probably will be coming. Um, I think f for the moment, they um, after the last lockdown, I think they tried to keep their prices reasonable so people could buy stock back in. But I, I think there will be a, obviously a knock on further down the road um, where suppliers will have to increase costs of things. So, yeah. Um, Helen, can I just ask you, you did, uh, what many people suggested was the right thing and you went online how easy was that and how effective has it been uh it's not as easy as i think that a lot of people sort of assume it is i mean we've had to put over 400 products if not more onto the website i have no background training i couldn't afford a website designer to come and do all the things that they'd need to do um, so we've had to pivot in a sense that it's not something that I expected to ever do we had the bare bones of a website um, but yeah suddenly having to put 400 plus products on organized shipping what does that even look like each as an example, a transaction in the shop would take something around two, three minutes after you've had a conversation with a customer. A transaction online is really, really quick for the customer perspective, but once the order comes through to us, we have to box it, we have to package it, we have to then take it to the post office, we have to do all the other things as well. So it's a, long, a longer drawn out process, which obviously costs more money. As well as that, we have to pay for the hosting fees, we have to pay for all the packaging, we have to pay all these extra bits that we never thought we'd really have to pay for. And you also, you also come across that bit where you haven't got the storage space. So yeah. if I order something off your website and you haven't got it, I've got to wait. So I go to Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. So we would only usually have, we've probably got enough space for three of each product, maybe a little bit more. Um, but if someone came to my website and they wanted to do their Christmas shopping and they wanted six books for their nieces and two of these, we just don't have that. And like human nature, you go somewhere and you go online. If it's not available immediately right there and then you go somewhere else for it because it's easy to do that. Is that, I mean, 
is it a shortfall in your business strategy that you didn't go online, say, two or three years ago? I mean, have you been forced into it by COVID-19? And what difference has it made to your business? I mean, do you, do you buy more stock now because you've gone online or are you just taking it from the same pool that you pre-ordered before you went online? Um, I think it, I always wanted to go online from the beginning, but as a very bare bones, I always wanted that to be the backup of a physical shop. I think it's so important to have a physical bricks and mortar shop as part of my sort of business. Just because of the things I sell, I wanted people to have that experience. And that's what I set the business up for. But now, I mean, obviously throughout lockdown, it has only been online. We haven't been able to open, um, but it's starting to make me think, okay, we're gonna have to change, do we change half our shop to be storage and we take on more products? Or do we get through as much of these products as we've kind of pre-ordered and got in for Christmas and get those online and then revisit it? Um, I think because of the topsy-turviness of COVID and jumping from being in lockdown, being open, being closed, there hasn't been, I haven't been able to plan. So what I thought I could plan for when we reopened in June to then make the shop as spacious as possible, get rid of some of that stock, open it up so we could fit more people in, to then go back into a lockdown again in sort of November, to then, okay, all that stock's got to go on the shop floor and we need to just make this packing and change it again. That's where the difficulty is because there is no planning for that. Although we have gone online and, and that is, you know, that's what's keeping our business afloat at the moment, looking even to January, February, okay, what's that going to look like again? Do we get more stock? Do we just turn half the shop into a stock room and, and keep driving online? Or do we try and get, we, we can't afford at the moment to get people in to do skill, to do extra training with us for extra skills to do stuff online. Um, our Sheffield City Council and um, where we are have just released something called a uh, restart and regrowth grant that's gonna become available. Um, but it, it's going to be very much a first come first served exactly what do you need in terms of technology and, and give us the backup to that and we've got to apply for that by the 2nd of December but I don't really know at the moment what it is that I need. The great thing about small businesses is how willing they are to help each other. So I wonder could we do a bit of matchmaking here? Is there a small business listening to this who has done this before, who can design a website, who can work out processes and sales, or just offer some advice. Can they get in touch with us so we can pass it on? Uh, Declan, we actually have somebody we talked to on the podcast who might very well be willing to do just that. Uh, and Jyoti will have the details because she keeps the details of absolutely everybody. Um, How good's that, Declan? Oh, fantastic. Just charge 5% commission. <laughs> Absolutely, why not? I mean, we've just been talking to Lee and Helen. Uh, that's only two. There are thousands of small businesses and freelancers around the country affected like this. Hannah Essex is co-executive director of British Chambers of Commerce. Hannah, the 53 local chambers of commerce are in touch with about 75,000 small businesses, I think, across the UK and across all of the sectors. So paint us a picture. What's, what's emerging? 
Well, I mean, it's been just the most devastating year for businesses right around the country. Um, and we're here emerging from <clears throat> a national lockdown, but actually for the large part of the country, some businesses still feel like they're, they're in lockdown. Some businesses still won't be able to open or they'll be operating in very you know, restricted capacity. Um, but there's also, you know, the, the, the knock-on effect on consumer confidence, people not being able to go out and see people, you can't go shopping together. There's all kinds of um, elements to this that's making this a really desperately challenging time for businesses. And because it's been going on for such a long time, any cash reserves that they had, loans that they've taken out, all of this money is getting whittled down. And they're really, really worried about whether or not they'll make it through. I was talking to someone um, from the East Midlands Chamber earlier today, and they've got a business in Leicester who's saying, I just don't think I can make it through this. I just don't think I'm going to reopen a hospitality business that's been under restriction since June and also suffered as a result of the first national lockdown. And it's just it's just been going on for such a long time. And of course, that's one that you've talked to. There are thousands. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's happening, you know, right across the country. And even in places, you know, like Cornwall will be going into tier one, but they've had such a hit from the fact that people didn't go on their summer holidays. They've not had the kind of tourism um, that they would expect, which usually sees them through um, the rest of the year. And even though they will now be able to open up again next week, they won't, people can't travel. You're not supposed to travel from one tier to another. So um, they won't get the kind of trade that they need in order to, to make up for lost time. There's a real danger the British Chambers of Commerce could be sued, um, basically, for, for wrongful names. I mean, I don't see much commerce. I haven't done all year. <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? If it's not happening, how far should the government be going to support business, particularly in the hospitality industry? Because you can't run a business when you don't know whether you're going to be open from one minute to the next. You certainly don't know whether you buy stock or not. Um, it's just they're just undermining business all the time. I know it's a difficult job. I know there are difficult decisions, but basically speaking, um, this is no good for business. I mean, the, the, the furlough scheme has been an absolute lifeline. So you know, all credit to the government. They acted really swiftly at the start of the of the crisis, and they put. The is furlough... it enough though? It's it's it, it, no, it's not enough. I mean, it's it's now costing businesses money. So this, even though the furlough scheme's in place, they're having to pay. Um, national insurance and pension contributions so it's not like it's a zero cost to keep your staff on um, and it doesn't cover all the bills it doesn't pay your rent it doesn't pay your your energy bills and that issue that you um you know you said around stock and so on you know, we've, they've been given a few days notice um which is better than we've had in previous announcements so there is time for businesses to make decisions about what they should be bringing in and what they shouldn't for next week but it's still um you know, it's still a kind of on-off, on-off situation. I mean, there's a review point in December. What will that mean? Um, there's talk of the consequences of Christmas gathering, meaning further January lockdowns, February lockdowns. You know, the, the future looks pretty bleak. I mean, but at the end of all of that, we have got the vaccine. We have got this optimism that this is a temporary situation. And so in terms of what the government should do, it's better to spend the money now to get keep those businesses afloat and make sure they're there for the recovery than to allow them to fail and then have to rebuild from a far lower starting point when we come out of this. It is temporary. We know that. We can see that coming. So, so government should be putting more money into grants and helping those businesses to get them through this difficult winter so that they are there so that they can reopen and get them they get the economy going again at the end of all of this would you like to see the government write off all this um you know when it comes to business rates 
rents, um, furlough scheme, you know, that you get into the new year, you get to a solution and you haven't got big bills to pick up like double VAT because you haven't paid any for the past six months. Is that the sort of thing you'd, you'd be looking at? I, I think there definitely needs to be some more um, more cash for businesses to pay their, their bills and more um, more rates relief and and opportunities for businesses to not pay pay bills into the exchequer but then incentives and, and tax breaks that allow them to then grow and rebuild back again when when the economy comes back on so there are businesses that are functioning now but they're being very cautious they're holding on to as much cash as they can because they don't know what the future may hold because let's not forget it's not just about covid we've got the end of the eu transition period coming along and that's still very uncertain for for everybody so they're being very cautious about what they do so as we come out of this business um, government also needs to incentivize businesses to create jobs to so that they can up um, the economic growth path as quickly as we possibly can um i sat on a round table yesterday a small business round table <laughs> where uh, people were saying things like there are um i've spent all my savings and my savings were for my tax. Now, I can't pay the tax man. Now, that's a dreadful position for uh, companies to be in. And, and there's a, a wider question. How long does this affect their ability to get loans in future, future credits should they need it? Yeah, it, it, it's heartbreaking when you hear some of the, the stories and some of the difficult decisions that businesses are having to make and um you know cash is the major problem there there isn't enough cash in the system cash reserves have been wound down um, and unless you know government puts more into those grants then those really difficult challenges are going to come and they have to start paying those bills or those deferred payments um start kicking in um, and so we've been saying for some time that loans is not is not enough it has to be cash because this is nothing there's nothing that these businesses have done that where it's their that it's not their fault that they're in this situation these are people who were created and are running really good businesses and are now through no fault of their own absolutely at the brink oh, you you probably may or may not have seen um the headlines that have been out this morning that it looks as though arcadia group uh, sir philip green's remaining retail piece of empire um, maybe going into administration, 15,000 jobs at, at risk. Um, I'm not saying that's down to COVID. I think COVID may have put, you know, been the, the straw that broke the camel's back, but certainly there were problems there long before, before this. But it's likely that it's tipped him into administration or about to tip him into administration. And there must be an awful lot of other retailers and businesses in general out there at the moment that are in the same boat. Yeah, and I think that the, the crisis is accelerated or exacerbated challenges that already existed so we were already retail was already facing a lot of challenges um there was you know the the growth of online retail um and decline in high street retail was already a problem and the you know stopping people from going out and stopping people from meeting has obviously um and closing those businesses has obviously um made that far worse and i think we're going to see a lot more of that over the next few months Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, go on, go on. I, I, I was just going to add, I, you know, I, I think that the trouble with a lot of businesses, particularly in, in retail and in hospitality, is that sometimes the cure is worse than the disease in that, you know, by cutting off the supply, the flow of money, cash, 
it's crippling these businesses. They can't work around this. This is just ridiculous. But it's also crippling the supply chains, surely. Exactly yeah. that. Exactly that. And so, um, you know, there's there was. And Liz likes a supply chain. Oh, I do. <laughs> well, it's, that's that's you know how it all works. And there's there's been discussion around whether it should um, tailor support to tiers, for example, or whether you know there, when the furlough scheme was going to end, but then didn't. There was that. Um, option of having the JSS, the job support scheme for those businesses that were closed and job support scheme for those businesses that were open. But there are businesses that aren't forced to be closed, but might as well be, because if all of their hospitality, if you're a, a meat supplier or a, a drink supplier in a, a local area where all of their hospitality businesses are closed, then your business is effectively closed. So there is, you know, there's this supply chain effect that goes across the tiers um, and goes across sectors. So sectoral support is challenging as well, because you can miss out businesses that really need support. Um, so the support has to be targeted at the businesses that need it. And the best way to do that is, is through things like the furlough scheme, which is kind of open to everyone who needs it, and grants, which are administered on a needs basis. Um, the other thing I really love is skills. And I'm really worried that the skills, it's going to be like trains. The skills aren't going to be in the right places when the small businesses do start to ramp up again and recover. Um, and uh, we keep hearing about new jobs. Where are they? Has enough money been put into investing in new jobs, in skills, in retraining, in order to get us out of this mess? Yeah, I mean, yeah, before this, we had a situation where um, we had high employment, but businesses were still saying, I can't find the right people with the right skills I need in order to do, for my business to grow and be successful. So there was already a challenge around um, a disconnect between skills and, and what businesses needed. Um, and now you've got a, a situation where there are jobs being created. But if you look at where the government's focusing job creation, it's things like construction um, and it's things, you know, building HS2, building, uh, improving the A303. It's the kind of investing that kind of spending. Whereas the jobs that are being lost are in retail, hospitality, aviation, et cetera. And those, you know, they're traditionally female roles. The ones that are being created are traditionally male roles. I don't see that all those people who've lost their jobs at Topshop are going to go down and start building HS2. So there has to be a really proactive approach to making sure that those people who have found themselves unemployed have the right support they need to retrain, reskill, find roles. Um, uh, digital skills is a major issue. So a lot of people who've been in customer facing roles won't necessarily have the digital skills they would need to go into a different kind of a role. So there, there's definitely a, an issue there around and government has done a lot around things like kickstart and there were more announcements in the spending review this week but that is that is a major concern that one will have really high unemployment and people won't be able to find work but two that when they do get into work they're not ready to do what the businesses need to be able to get back on track as quickly as possible. Three quick things that could really help small businesses i mean you mentioned kickstart for instance but a small business can't even use kickstart because they there need to be something like 30 of them get together to take on 30 young people um could we have something that was geared much more to small businesses and self-employed people so, so business, small businesses can use Kickstart. They can they can go to the Chamber of Commerce and and they can they can be a kind of broker if you like. That they can um, what Chambers are doing is gathering um, businesses together and and putting in the applications as a collective rather than the businesses having to do it individually. So there is a way around that. Um, but um, I think there's certainly sort of more more that could be done um, 
on that front. Sorry, I forget what your question was. Uh, well, it was just really what are the three quick things. Quick, are the three quick um, wins? <laughs> uh, cash, so more grants, get some more money to these businesses, help them to survive and see them through this this difficult time. Um, uh, skills, so making sure that um, there is reskilling and retraining for people who have become unemployed, and they're the right skills that businesses need to recover. Um, and I think just much clear being much clearer about how and why these decisions are being made we've the government have been clearer this time around but there's still a real question as to you know why am i a tier three why am i not a tier two on what evidence and what basis is this decision being made and when things are going to change giving businesses as much time as possible to prepare for that and we have got good news and that is that vaccines seem to be fairly close but they're still many months away um, and as Declan and Simon said earlier, you know, we're thinking about April, but it may not actually be rolled out by then. Can you too, can you hold on till the vaccine comes through, Helen? Um, I, I hope so. <laughs> um, I need to know, I mean, I think it's just, it's this crucial period. It's the run up to Christmas is gonna make such a huge difference. Um, we are doing everything in our power to make sure that the shop is safe and secure and that we can get through this really, really crucial trading period. If it's successful, which I'm really hoping it is, and both online and both in store, um, then yes, we should be able to get through. Um, we just need more clarity of what January, February is going to look like. There's that word again. Lee. What about you? Um, I mean, we're in a position where we took advantage of the C-bill loan that was uh, originally offered um, in the first lockdown. And I've, I have kept that in my bank. Um, but I do think that now with us still remaining in the stricter tier three, we will I will have to start using that. Um, and we've got the matter of um, double that bill um, to pay. Um, so if... If the tax man comes calling for that, I, I don't know. But I'm hoping that that will be in the new year and we will be trading. Um, but there's no guarantee of that. So, Well, we very much hope that we're going to be talking to you again next year. Um, Lee Lockwood and Helen Sterling-Baker, thank you both ever so much for joining us. Um, I don't know about you, Mickey, but I just feel... I just feel I wish there was something more we could do to help all of yeah. these businesses the um, one the one thing that encourages me listening to the girls this morning or the ladies this morning is that while the politicians may prevaricate and talk about politics it's amazing how optimistic small businesses are about prospects about the future and without that we're lost completely uh, confidence is half of the battle simon declan what are we looking out for this week is there anything else you want to add before we wind up bloomed sponsors from the pair of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> well obviously on tuesday i believe the house of commons will vote on the new tiers and uh, i've just been reading there that the labor party have basically said this morning they haven't made their minds up yet so obviously they are going to be consulting over the weekend uh so that's on tuesday and that could be a close vote for the government um, but just on the general point of uh, uh, small businesses, I think what I take away from this uh, CSR is 
is the fact that we needed some sort of financial stimulus. We needed to put more confidence back into the economy. And uh, the Chancellor, by doing things like freezing public sector pay, when the private sector is laying off thousands of people, and you know, and we're going to see a lot more people being laid off after furlough ends, it just seems that he's just destroyed any hope of confidence going into 2021 and maybe destroyed Christmas for many people. So I don't think there is that much to be upbeat about. Declan, please rescue it. A lot of those decisions were, were political signals rather than uh, sound uh, economics. Um, a couple of things to watch out for. The high street, first of all, we've got Philip Green's empire and the future of the Arcadia business. The rescue talks about Debenhams, the future of Peacock is still hanging in the balance. So there's a lot of uh, development and motion going there. And as Mickey said, a lot of these are uh, sort of sins of the past catching up uh, in the present rather than the impact of coronavirus itself. Uh, not everywhere is suffering. If you're selling cats or dogs, then it looks like it's been uh, a great period for you because pets at home, uh, which doesn't sell them, but does sell the grub and the leads and the blankets and whatever else, uh, says it's uh, had a wonderful season and membership of its puppy club uh, has gone up by 25%. People are buying dogs to keep them company uh, during the lockdown. There was one story that really struck me during the week, uh, and I was looking at uh, pictures from Sunderland because uh, the uh, uh, famous son of Sunderland, John Hayes, the founder of Hayes Travel, um, died a fortnight ago. His funeral was uh, a day or so uh, ago. Now, he set this business up in the 80s. He set it up in a shed or a garage, started really, really small, uh, hit the headlines a couple of years ago when he took over all those Thomas Cook branches that yeah. were closed, saving a lot of jobs there. Um, this week, the main buildings in Sunderland were all lit up in the company colours as a gesture to say thank you to a guy who had created opportunity and created jobs and created optimism in the area. And it, what struck me was that if you're running your own business and it's feeling really grim and you're thinking no one loves you and it's just too tough, remember, if you create opportunity for people, they will thank you for it forever. Well, I have to say that is a, a much more optimistic and... Uh... Well, I think I think yeah. it's really heartwarming note to end on. Thank you, Declan, for for that. Most uh, unusual. <laughs> Most unusual. I'll I'll just bring us down to earth again by saying we'll be looking at uh, small business and freelancers' debt next week, <laughs> and that is mounting. <laughs> so there we are. Uh, Lee and Helen, thank you ever so much for joining us. Thanks to the team, Declan. Mickey, Simon, Jyoti, and of course, George and Harry behind the scenes. Uh, join us again next week when we're talking all things uh, small business particularly. Uh, if you want to contact us, want to take part, then please contact us at uh, backinbusiness.org.uk or find us on Twitter at business underscore backing. And we are also on LinkedIn. See you next week. Bye.